If you would, just let's open our Bibles to Luke, Luke chapter 18, and we're going to jump right in this morning. Luke chapter 18. Yes, uh, a brand new uh, spring quarter started today. The classes will run March, April, and May, so we encourage you to get in one of those. It's going to be a blessing. They go from 9.30 till about 10.20. Luke 18, verse 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony and honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord God, for your word, your clear word from the Old Testament to the New. We thank you, Lord God, that you're revealing yourself and your glory through your word. Help us to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is a question for the ages, a question all around the world, what must I do? So many folks, so many hearts looking for a way uh, to meet their creator. Everyone born, you know, has, a, has something inside of them that wants to know their creator, wants to know their father. And all these religions around the world are trying to point people, this is the way and that is the way. So this one has the same question, you know, there's something more to, than just this life. There's an eternal life. What must I do? What can I do? Okay, and of course, we know now if you've been coming to this church for any time, it's not about what we do. It's about what he did. Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But as Tyler was talking about, the old covenant reveals Jesus Christ. He also talked about it right here in the New Testament, in the Gospels. So he says to him, why do you call me good? Now this may seem like an odd question for Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen? For we know him for who he is. Now we know that he's the Son of the living God. We know he never sinned and we know he's good. Okay? But he's asking a, a question to him. Why are you thinking this way? What makes you think I am good? What are you basing it on? Jesus said, no one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. Paul emphasizes this by the Holy Spirit in Romans 3. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So this rich young ruler, he thought he was good in some ways and he was asking Jesus, am I good enough? Okay, he knows what he has done, so he's asking, hey, what must I do? You know, I know you're good, hey, and I'm pretty good. What else must I do? And Jesus cuts to the chase pretty quick. Why are you calling me good? No one's good except God. In other words, Jesus is recognizing and teaching, praise the Lord, through, and, what, and the Old Testament reveals it, and it's the purpose for the law, that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay, when we think we're, we're, we're doing right and by our own works, or, you know, if I do more good than bad, you know, maybe I can be right with God, and, and there's something in all of us that want to, you know, try to do right, try to do good, because, hey, uh, the conscience, God created mankind with a conscience inside, and there's, because we're created in the image of God, there's a sense of right and wrong in every nation, okay? There's a sense of, of right and wrong until you continue to pursue evil and open yourself up to the enemy and let that conscience be seared, then sometimes you can no longer get it straight and see. But there's deep, in, deep inside of every man, God created a conscience to know right from wrong. Okay? So he's thinking, I'm good. But God, he also wants, to, know, wants to, to let us know because of that fall, because of what Adam has done, because of what was inside of mankind, there is no one good enough to be right with God in ourself. No matter how hard you try, he's get, making that point. 
Let's back up a little bit. Okay, here's another one that thought he was good. Luke chapter 18, uh, in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, starting in verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. To some, and there's still some around today, and how they were raised, and what religion they're in, and how good they're doing. To some who were confident in their own righteousness, Jesus told this parable. Verse 10, two men went to a temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So he's coming to God to pray, and he's talking about his goodness of why he deserves to be there in the presence of God. Okay, so he's talking like that. And Jesus is relating this story for a lesson for us to understand. But the tax collector stood at a distance. And we know, you know, these tax collectors that they're talking about at the time, and you may feel this way today about your, the IRS, I don't know, but the way they were feeling at the time of this story, you know, the Romans had taken over Israel. It'd be like walking out here and having Russian soldiers and tanks around our streets and we're under their control. Rome was in control of the people of Israel and they would hire and put Jewish tax collectors collecting taxes from the Jews and giving it to the Romans and they could tax them whatever they want and they were backed by the Roman soldiers and the tax collectors became wealthy uh, serving the Romans and off of their brothers so the Jewish people hated the tax collectors. Okay, So that's why Jesus was using this as a reference in the story. So he's saying this Pharisee, who all the Jews look up to, that they teach the law and they live by it and they think they're righteous according to what they've done, was telling God how good he is and this tax collector was standing in the distance. Okay, And he prayed, stood in a distance, not feeling like he's worthy to approach God. He could not even look up at heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. He knew he was wrong. He knew his sin. He came to God not with his righteousness, but with his sin. I tell you the truth. This man, rather than, other, than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Praise the Lord. Jesus is teaching. This rich young ruler is saying, What must I do? To inherit eternal life, you know, and Jesus said, why do you call me good? He wants him, you to know no one is good. We're all in the same boat. We were all born of Adam with the fallen nature of Adam inside of us. And no matter how hard you try to be religious or be good, it doesn't cut it. It doesn't reach the standard of God's righteousness. But praise the Lord, while we were yet sinners, God still loved us and had a plan to redeem us and get us back right with him. But his plan... His plan was not to do it ourselves. His plan was not to work it. His plan was not to try to, you know, even obey all of the law to make it. He knew ahead of time that that couldn't get us there. He had a different purpose for the law of the old covenant to reveal and to show us our sin and to expose it how sin, how sinful sin is. Okay? And I want to talk to you a little bit about that using this story. The relationship between the Christian and the law. I want to talk a little bit about the law. And uh, he, so he, he tells him here in this story, you know the commandments. So Jesus points this man who thinks he's righteous by the law, he points him to the law. And he says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father. He points him straight back to the Ten Commandments that's written on stone, okay, the letter of the law, and he points him to that because this man says he's good. And then the man says, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Like the religious Pharisees, he's saying, hey, I know the law. 
I've been born under the law. I've been going to synagogue hearing about the law. I know about the judgments and the punishments of the law. And I have kept all of these that you're talking about since I was a boy. So in other words, he's saying, I've followed it and I've been good and I've never broken these laws you just mentioned. And I'm pretty good. Okay? There's a lot of people like that. Maybe you've been through it. Maybe, you know, you've broken some things and you've done some things, but, you know, in your heart of hearts, you're thinking, hey, well, you know, I'm not as bad as that guy. Or, you know, I may have done some things wrong, but I didn't really have any evil intentions of my heart. You know, I know I got arrested and I got caught and I got put in prison and this, but it really, it was, you know, the lawyer's fault or the judge's fault. Or, you know, it was how I was raised it was this or that or the other, never really looking inward, never letting that righteous requirements of the law reveal your own guilt, but always kind of pushing it aside and blaming others, say, hey, I'm a pretty good boy. I never really hurt anyone. You know, I might have got back at a few that got to me first, but hey, that's fair, right? You know, I never really done anything to, you know, so they justify in themselves, and that's what this man was doing. So Jesus goes a little further in the law. He says, all these I've kept. When Jesus heard that, he said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, get to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, well, then who can be saved? He got, Jesus said, with, with, uh, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Now, I want to point out the message. The point of this story is not that Jesus was asking him for all of his money. It was he, because Jesus knew his heart. And really, although he kept all of these other commands, he had broken the first one which is love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second, have no other gods before me. Make no idols, okay? And, you know, so, so he, this, this man, although he kept the other commands, really he put his lifestyle, his own goodness, his wealth, his family's name, everything he had that was good ahead of God, his money and everything else. He had a good business. He had a good, you know, and he said, look, hey, I'm, I'm right with God because of all the things I've done. And Jesus said, no, you don't realize, you don't even realize you've broken the first command. So he pointed them back to the law because, folks, there's a purpose and a reason and a relationship between the Christian and the law. We have to understand uh, uh, stand it. it's been abolished. Jesus has fulfilled it. But there's still a purpose and an, and an idea that we need to understand it and its purpose and how it works today. Are you with me? So he showed him this. Let me talk a little bit about what I mean by when we say the law because it's written in the word of God. You'll find that word the law over 500 times, okay? 300 times in the Old Testament, 200 times in the New Testament. And it can mean different things, okay? Sometimes it's referred to as the whole Old Testament in general. Sometimes you can look at it, and even when they're talking about in the New Testament, and, um, and Paul and the writers and Jesus talking about the law. You've heard it said in the law. And they're talking about not just the Ten Commandments and all the laws lit, written in Leviticus, but he's also talking about the prophets and the Psalms. You've heard it said in the law, Jesus fulfilled the, the, what was written in the law about him coming. Amen? So part of the law is the Psalms and Isaiah and the other prophets that are talking about the Messiah coming. So in that, the law is included in the whole Old Testament, not just the commands. Are you with me? So sometimes the Bible refers to the law as the whole Old Testament and the whole covenant in a very general sense. Also, uh, it's not only those Ten Commandments, but if you look, sometimes the law is referred to, is talking more specifically about the Pentateuch, the first five, Penta, five, the first five books of the Bible, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. This is the Pentateuch, and sometimes when they're referring to the law in the New Testament, they're specifically referring to those five books. Now, even more specifically, 
it's not only the law of those Ten Commands, but after that, in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, if you really follow it through, there are 613 ordinances or laws in the book of the law. Okay? 613 laws in the law. Not just the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, but everything else that goes with it. Praise the Lord. So we can see all of that. The Old Testament in general the Pentateuch, the first five books, and then really all those 613 commands, you can only find that part in four books, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So if you want to know the specific laws of God given to Israel, you look in those and you can read every single one of them, a law about everything, okay? Then also sometimes the law is referred to is talking about the law of Moses, Okay, let me just, uh, John 1.17, it's a famous verse we like to quote here. For the law was given through Moses, the Mosaic covenant, the old covenant it's sometimes referred to, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So sometimes when the Bible is referring to the law, they're talking about specifically the law of Moses. Sometimes when the Bible's referring to the law, it's talking about the written commands on stone, the Ten Commandments itself, okay? And uh, hey, go with me there from Luke, hold your spot. Flip back with me to Exodus 20, where it's first, the Ten Commandments are first given. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 1. Everybody there? Exodus 20, and God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Commandment one, he's God, there's one God, I am the Lord your God, have no other. Amen? Okay, they're, they're living in a world and we're in a world today where there's many gods, people say there's many roads and ways to the higher power. They're all equally good. You can get there as long as you have faith and you're sincere, and it's all a lie. There's one true God who created it all, and there's one way to him, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? So, the first command, there's one God. You shall have no other gods. The second, you shall make for yourself no idol in any form in heaven or on earth beneath. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Okay, so he, he's, he's no idols. They were at a, at a time, pagans making all kind of idols. They're still there today. Our guys just got back from India. There's temples all over the place with gods made by human hands. And people go and light candles and worship and present offerings to these monkeys and junk. Okay, I don't respect it. I don't honor it. I don't tolerate it. You know, and I don't talk good of it. Okay, we expose it for what it is. It's a lie. It's false. Okay, there's false gods and false religions in the world. We in Christianity, we don't honor other religions. We respect other people and we love people because they're created in the image of God, but we love them enough to tell them the truth and not say, hey, everywhere all going to the higher power one day as long as you're sincere. Hey, you're bringing them to hell when you talk like that. Okay, you have to expose the truth and the truth will confront the lie, and there's a conflict there, and that's okay. Light shines in the darkness, all right? Okay, we're not all brothers, and we're not all in the family of God. We're all created by God, but there's only one way into the family of God, and that's to die and be born again through Jesus Christ. Not everyone's a child of God, okay? Hey, we're all, we're all created by God. He's, our, he's all of our creator, and he wants to be everybody's father, but not everyone is in his family. You're getting to his family by being born into it through Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, he said that very plainly. He even spoke to the, to the leaders of Israel at the time and said, you are of your father, the devil. You're not of my father, God. Okay, so it's very clear. Have no other gods. Amen? You shall not misuse the third commandment, not misuse the name of the Lord or take the name in vain, okay? It's a powerful name of God, the creator, 
and his son, Jesus Christ. We operate and do everything we do and live in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So I don't want to take his name in vain and use it as a curse word or just use it lightly. If I'm going to speak his name, there's power behind it, and I'm going to recognize it and honor it. I won't dare just throw his name out for nothing, you know? I hear that all the time in the world. People just use it as an explanation point or a curse word or whatever and say it all the time. No, no, no. You know who you're talking to? They, apparently, they don't know what, who they're talking about. If you know who you're talking about, you won't use that name in vain. Amen? Understand? Praise the Lord. So that's a commandment. That's one of the commands, the third command. And the fourth, honor the Sabbath. Keep it holy. He created everything. In six days, on the seventh day, he rested. Now, spiritually speaking, all of these things of the Old Covenant Church, they all point to Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the whole law, and he fulfilled the Sabbath. When we come into the finished work of Christ, we're living in the Sabbath every day. Amen? So the Sabbath is fulfilled in Christ, and it's fulfilled when we honor him and believe in him. We step into the Sabbath. The, the seventh day's rest is in Christ. Amen? Hey, and it's also good to, to practice a day's rest hey, and have a day for worship and Sunday and have a day off of work. That's still a good practice and principle, but we're not under that law of the way the Sabbath was uh, recorded in that time. We're under the spirit of it, which is pointing to the truth of the new covenant, which it's really about. Does that make sense to you? Okay? Hallelujah. The Sabbath. Amen. And then the next laws, praise God. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie, give false testimony. You shall not covenant. Hey, these laws, praise the Lord, have to do with how we relate to each other in a society. Okay? So the first uh, four are about honoring God and our relationship with him. And the next six are about our relationship with each other and how to live. And praise God, I'm thankful for the United States of America that was built on Judeo principles, Judeo-Christian foundations, and having laws of a civil society that also reflect these commands that you're not allowed to steal, kill, or destroy, or covet, or lie, or you can be, there's consequences, and you can be put in jail. That's a good thing, Amen. Because the law is still in use for lawbreakers. I'm not under that law anymore of the old covenant because I have a new law of Jesus Christ written on my heart. He took out the old me and crucified it, put in me a new heart. And on that heart, that new heart, he has written his law, love God and love your neighbor. And when I do that, all these other laws are fulfilled. Yeah. Amen. So that's our relationship to the law today. I'm not under the old covenant in any way, shape, or form, but praise God, it has been fulfilled in Christ, and now that Christ who fulfilled it all lives in me. So now my life fulfills the righteous requirements of the law by how I live. Are you with me? I don't steal, lie, kill, or, or murder, commit adultery because Jesus Christ who fulfilled all that law lives in me and what's in me comes out in how I live. Are you with me? So praise God, the Christian's life, uh, hallelujah. Go ahead and let's put that first picture I have on the screen for y'all of the circles there. The other one. You see, all of this Bible is to show the very nature of the living God. In all of the law, talking about the prophets, the commandments, the 613 ordinances, the worship, the tabernacle, even the priestly garments that was required in the law of what they should wear, how to build the Ark of the Covenant. Church, everything in the law is all a, refre a reflection and a picture of God. It's all pointing more specifically to Christ, okay? So God's holy nature is revealed or expressed in his law to the Jews, more specifically, in the commandments in all of the way they lived, not only the, um, the moral law of how to keep that, but praise God, you know, they, how to function in society. Now, church, I'll tell you this. 
Some Christians, some people believe that that Old Testament law is separated into subgroups. Moral law, um, civil law, and ceremonial law, how they did the ceremonies. And now Jesus fulfilled, you know, some of it. But we as Christians are no longer under the ceremonial law of the Old Covenant, but we're still under the, the uh, moral law of the Old Covenant. That's not true. There's nothing biblical about that. The law in the Bible is one law. Okay? It's, not, it's never distinguished in the Word, scripturally, in separate groups that some fulfilled and not fulfilled. Okay? It's all, praise the Lord, it was all written to reveal God's glory, and Jesus came, the express nature of God himself in the flesh, in everything he did, so Jesus honored the law. He honored the law by obeying it, praise God, and he fulfilled all of the righteous requirements. It's like the first Adam who fell and couldn't keep it, broke the law, broke the command of God, and then when the first Adam fell in all of mankind with him, God sent the second Adam, Jesus, and he fulfilled it all. He kept it perfectly, and after he finished keeping it, praise God, he also kept the other side of the law. The other side was, if you break this law, one of them, you're guilty of them all, and the punishment is death, and God is holy, and with that man being sinful, there's a... There's a um, a broken fellowship there okay that's why jesus hanging on the cross after he fulfilled all of the righteous requirements of the law he then became the curse of the law and the curse of it that was the punishment and judgment for you and i breaking the law now fell on jesus christ and he took it all in he became sin and that's why he cried out my god my god why have you forsaken me it was the first time ever he called him God. Everywhere else he called him Father because he had an intimate, unbroken, perfect relational, relational harmony fellowship with God. Now he becomes our sin and the wrath of God falls on him and now he calls, cries out, my God, my God, and he feels forsaken. So not only did he fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, he fulfilled the judgment and penalty and punishment of the law fell on him as well. It's kind of like, bro, guys, he's our big brother. We couldn't do it, and he's our hero. He did it for us, and then he took the punishment for us. He fulfilled the righteous part we couldn't do, and then he took the punishment instead of us. It's amazing. Hallelujah. But all of this, learning about the law and understanding it and seeing it gives you a, be a deeper and a clearer picture of what all Jesus has done for us. Everybody okay? Y'all with me? So we see in the New Testament all through that the law is mentioned many times all the way through it in a general sense, in a more specific sense. But all of it is talking about this. I want to give a little bit more specific Four things that we must clearly understand about the law of Moses. Four things we want to understand about the law of Moses. One, the law was never intended for the Gentiles. It was only given to Israel. It was never intended for any of the Gentile nations. That includes us, okay? non-Jews, non okay? It was never intended. It was only given to the Jews, only given to Israel. There are several scriptures uh, that back that up. Psalm 147, 19 and 20. If they can get that on the screen, I'll read it to you real quick. Psalm 147, 19, 20. He has revealed his word to Jacob, his laws and decrees to Israel. He has done this for no other nation. They do not know his laws. Okay? And there's several scriptures about that. God had a chosen people out of a fallen evil world. He chose out Abraham, made a covenant with him and his descendants, and then through Moses gave the law of the covenant for that people. It wasn't for anyone else. It was for that special group of people chosen out of the world to be God's holy people. Okay? 
So that's, that's very clear. Matter of fact, Ephesians 2, verse 11 and 13. Go ahead and flip there. This is something vitally important. I want you to see it. Flipping your open your Bibles, they'll put it on the screen as well. Ephesians chapter 2. I'll go there with you. And we're going to look at starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, everybody say that's me, because I don't know that we have any Jews in here, okay? Anybody born of the tribe of, uh, of one of the tribes of Abraham? Anybody born a Jew? Okay? There's not very many in the Winsboro area, okay? All right. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, just a refresher course for some of the newer folks, circumcision was the sign of the covenant. God told Abraham, hey, I'm choosing you. I'm going to bless you and your descendants. And here's to keep this covenant. I want all of your males to be circumcised. That's the first time it was done in all the world. This was the only group of people that were circumcised. Okay? And uh, so it was a sign that they were the covenant people of God. All the males had to be circumcised. So he's saying, okay, remember that we who are Gentiles by birth, okay, and not part of the circumcision, remember that at this time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. See, all of the Gentiles were foreigners to the covenants. Foreigners to the law of Moses, foreigners to the covenant of promise made to Abraham, okay? Without hope and without God in this world. Okay, all the Gentile nations were separate, without hope and without God in this world, under the fall and the evil that was there. Now, God, in his love and mercy, wants to redeem mankind. So in the Old Testament, he first chooses one and chooses that nation and begins over time of the Old Covenant to reveal his glory through the nation of Israel and the laws and the covenant. So he begins to show himself to the world through the nation of Israel. Are you with me? So when we're reading the Old Covenant and reading these laws, this will give you a better understanding of how it all fits and how it all works together. All of it is to reveal God. His goal, praise the Lord, he wanted to open salvation to all the nations, to all the world. But praise God, he started with a man, Adam. He started with a man, Noah. He started with a man, Abraham, and the tribes in Israel. And he began to reveal himself through the law and through the way they lived and through everything about it. He was revealing Jesus Christ with the ultimate goal, revealing Christ to the whole world. Okay? Go on. One, one I said, the law was never intended for the Gentiles. It was only ever given to Israel. Two... The law of Moses was one single complete system. Sometimes just to study it, we might divide it and look at which parts are the moral law, the ceremonial law, the civil law, but it's never divided. Uh, it's never, so many times when the New Testament is talking about the law, sometimes it's talking about ceremonial, sometimes talking about moral, sometimes it's talking about civil, and, but it's all lumped, it's all one thing, Okay. So when it says Jesus fulfilled it, he's talking about he fulfilled it all. When it talks about the Christians are no longer under it, he's talking about we're not under any of it. Okay? It's not a mixed thing. It doesn't have to be complicated for the Christians anymore. It's clear. Uh, the law was given. It showed God's glory. Uh, we couldn't do it. Jesus fulfilled it. And after he fulfilled it and upheld it and honored it, then he did away with it. All of it. All of it. Okay, so he did, he, it's, a, it's a complete new covenant, a complete new system. That system had a purpose, but the purpose was not to make us right with God. Its purpose was to reveal our sin. The law of Moses was one complete system. The law of Moses was intended by God only to be temporary. All the way from the beginning, it was never intended to last 
God sees the future. He knows. He had a purpose for it, and it was temporary until the answer, Jesus, came. Are you with me? So he had a purpose for it. It was a temporary thing for the time. Okay, go with me. I'll show you that from uh, Ephesians. Flip back a page. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 19. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of the transgressions until... Everybody say until. So you see its purpose is temporary? It was added until something for a certain amount of time. It was added until. Until what? Until the seed, capital S, to whom the promise referred had come. That's talking about Jesus. Okay? So the law was added until something. Until what? Until the seed of whom it was promised had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. A mediator, however, does not represent just one party, but God is one. So it was put into effect temporarily. Now, church, as we move a little forward, what is Jesus' relationship to the law? Well, praise God, we know he upheld it. We know he honored it. We know he said not one jot or tittle of any of it will be done away with till it's all fulfilled. And he said to, to teach it, to honor it, because God, God's law reveals God's holy nature. Okay? It reveals the holiness of God, but under that time, and now it also reveals the sinfulness of man. Okay? All right? So it has a purpose, and it shows that, and Jesus is using that purpose in Luke chapter 18, as he's talking to this rich young ruler who thinks he's right by what he does, and he opens the law and shows, hey, you may be right in this, this, and this, and it looks good to everybody around, and that Pharisee who's praying at the temple, he looks good to everybody around, but I'm opening the law and showing you something deeper in your heart. You've broken the first command to love God and have no idols, and your money is an idol to you. Okay? Hey. Sometimes, folks, we might be raised in a way where we're pretty good compared to others. Or we've done some wrong things, but we've been going to church. Or we've, um, you know, broken this or broken the law. We have a record here or there, but, you know, it was really the ex-wife's fault or the lawyer's fault or this or that. We never come to the conclusion. And we might be thinking, well, I'm in church now. I'm doing better. I'm pretty good. But have you ever gotten to the point where we recognize, no, I'm a sinner by nature on the inside, and Lord God, I need you to save me from myself? If you haven't got there, then you're not born into the family of God. You might be masking things on your mind, trying to do a little better, to feel better about yourself, to fulfill some requirements for your family or your people or yourself, but until you come to the conclusion, I'm on my way to a devil's hell because I've broken the law, I've done these things, and you know what? And God is holy, and I need you to save me, to change me from the inside out. Amen. Amen. We have to get to that point, okay? This is no light thing. You know, we here at the River of Life, we love to teach and preach, and I'm going to preach to pastors all over the world. We want to teach the Christians who you are in Christ, that you're not a sinner, that you're saved by what he has done, and you're holy and righteous. But I don't want to ever make the mistake of telling you that before you're a Christian. Hello? I don't want to bring brand new guys in that have all kind of struggles and sin and start talking about God's righteousness and that you are the righteousness of Christ when you're not until you've come to the conclusion that you need to be saved from yourself and you ask Jesus to change you from the inside out and mean it with all your heart that you're willing to follow him for the rest of your life. You're not in the family of God. You're not saved and you're not going to heaven. You have to first come to the conclusion, okay, that the law brings out, the, the, the law was added that the trespass might increase. That's a wild one. When I first say that to pastors, it's been in the, in the book the whole time. And yet, so really, the law was added 
to make the sin, sin inside of us utterly sinful and expose it. The law wasn't added really so that we would keep it. The law was added that the trespass breaking a law would actually increase because the law shines on it and the law shows us our sin and what's in us comes out and will be exposed. So what the law did, church, in the Old Testament, what the law was there for was to shine the holiness of God on the sinfulness of man. God share in his love, his mercy, but also exposing their sin because when there's a problem, he doesn't want to just push it under the rug. He wants to fix it. You that have struggles in your lives of different parts of your marriage, your home, your family, your finances, and crises come up, those crises come up because God wants to reveal whatever is dark in you to bring it to the surface because he loves you enough to not let you keep living that way. He wants to fix it. If you're struggling with things in your life, you've been a victim of your family. You've been a victim of the fallen world. You've been a victim of things that have happened to you and struggles and you're carrying it with it. You're carrying the weight and all these things of shame and guilt or things are inside of you. He wants to make a way where that comes up to the surface, is exposed to family, friends, or somebody so that you can get counsel, so that he can talk to you, so he can fix it once and for all. He doesn't want you to carry that burden forever. Are you with me? So the law was added to make the sin utterly sinful. Some folks think, you know, because that's the way they grew up, and that's the way all their family was, and that's the way their neighborhood was, that that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's not till you say, hey, man, where's your son or daughter? Do you mean you chose your drug over your own son, and now they're here, here, and here? And then the guy starts weeping and praise the Lord. We got to let him bleed a little while and let him see how awful his sin was so he wants to get saved. But if we start telling him everything's okay, everything's okay, when it's not, it doesn't work. They have to first see their sin to want to get saved. And as you come and hear the word, things we've done in our past and things we're carrying... By the word of God and his love, sometimes it takes steps and stages and you repent little by little. God starts showing you this. Hey, you think you're all good. Well, me and the man upstairs, we're cool, you know. And then he starts showing you, hey, maybe, no, you're not in this area. No, you're not in that. And you start hearing the word. You start showing and you start repentances in stages. Why? Because God wants you to walk in the complete victory he has provided by Jesus Christ. He doesn't want to leave you hanging with junk that's still eating at you. He wants to bring it up and expose it so when you get caught about other things in your life not only your foul mouth and your outward thing and other things come up and shows you from problems that's because he loves you enough to bring it up so he can fix it everybody okay oh i thought i was just gonna teach but i guess he had me preach a little hallelujah praise the lord so, Jesus' relationship to the law, he honored it. He upheld it with his life. His life fulfilled all of the righteous requirements of the law. Jesus was born under the law. I was not. We're Gentiles. We weren't born under the law. Jesus was born in that Jewish culture under the law. He had to go to synagogue. He had to obey. But praise the Lord, him being different than ever, he didn't have the sin nature. So his nature wanted to obey because it's him that wrote the law. Hello? It was his. He kept the law. He fulfilled all of the prophecies contained in the law. All of the Psalms, the prophets, Isaiah, everything they talk about the Messiah, Jesus fulfilled it all. He honored the law. Now his death upheld and vindicated the law, the righteous requirements that man didn't keep was the justice of God, it's all punishable by death. So the requirements of death to, to punish the lawbreakers, Jesus fulfilled that part too. Wow. He's the only one that lived a life where he could have said, man, you know, you're right to call me good, but I'm the only one good. No, he said, no one's good because he wanted the guy to understand it doesn't come by keeping the law. Even though you've 
done it on all this. You've missed it in one area. Okay? He fulfilled it all, and then he fulfilled the judgment of it. Wow. That's why I don't take this lightly. I don't take my walk with him lightly. As though, you know, well, he died for everybody's sin, so praise the Lord, now I'm going to live like I want. No. He took the justice, the righteous requirements of the law, the punishment, and took it all for me that I might not have to be bound to the law anymore or be under its influence or its power, and I might be free from the sin completely in all of my past and everything that was done to me or I was abused, neglected, rejected, hurt, whatever this evil world has done, you can be freed from all of that because now when you believe in Christ, His righteousness of fulfilling the law is now imparted into your account and given to you as though you had never sinned and as though you kept all the law. That's what you get. And you get it as a gift that we don't deserve. Praise the Lord. Now, go back to Luke. We finish the story to close. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke chapter 18. So this rich young ruler who thought he had it all realized he didn't. Doesn't say anything else. Except verse 23, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. He didn't rejoice and say, oh, thank you for telling me that, Jesus. I will do what you said. I'll get rid of it all. All of the things I thought I was right about, I'm going to put you first and I'm following you. No, he didn't. He walked away sad. Some folks want to think, well, I don't have to follow Christ in that way. I don't have to do this. That. I don't want to give him my whole life, you know. I just want to come to church and get out of this program and then do my own thing again. Rejecting what he said Sell it all, come follow me. Lay your whole life down if you want this life. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Follow me where? Follow me to the cross where you die and you're buried and you're born again and you start a new life in Christ. That's where you got to follow him. All the way to death. As long as you're holding on to your life, you're not really giving him yours. As long as you're holding on to parts of your life, you're like the rich young ruler. Well, I've done pretty good this, this, and this, and this. I'm not going to go all into this thing. Hello? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. The man walked away sound. Now, in contrast, and I love to share this story, Luke 19, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. So we got a real good guy who knows he's doing pretty good, and he walked away from Christ. We got a little short tax collector that everybody hates. Let's see how he ended up. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree so that he could get a glimpse. He heard about this Jesus and something inside of him was drawn. I want to know more about this dude. I heard he healed some people. I heard things are happening. I heard that he rebuked the Pharisees on the steps of the temple. Man, I've always wanted to do that. Never had the guts. And yet this guy's done it. I want to see who he is. He climbs a tree. Here comes the crowd. And the crowd's passing by. Look what happens. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came at it at once and welcomed him gladly. There's a big crowd. Jesus, who created the tree, who created everything, stops and calls Zacchaeus by name. He's like freaking out. What? How do you know me? Jesus stops the whole crowd. Zacchaeus, 
Hey, I'm, come on down. I'm going to your house. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open to me, he will gladly come in to your house, to your life. But you got to open it all and let him come to you where your heart is. He's knocking on the door of everybody. God wants to save the whole world, but he will not make you let him in. You want to hold back? You know, I might like this church thing a little bit. I like the songs and stuff, but he's not going to be my Lord. I'm my own man. I'm my own guy. I'm going to do things my way. He's not telling me how to live my life what to do about my boyfriend-girlfriend situation. He's not telling me what to do with my money. He's not telling me what to do with my life. No, no, I'm going to keep my own life my own way. I'm going to be my own Lord, and I just want to go to be a part of the crowd. And, you know, I'm following him from the, from the backside and just say, hey, I'm one of the, I'm in the pew. I'm not really going to sing, but I'm just going to listen. Hmm. Somebody received that. That's a little side note. I'm not going to go there. So what happens? All the people saw this and began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. They hated Zacchaeus. He wasn't only a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector, and he got wealthy doing it. He was a Jew working for the Romans. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. What does the commandment say? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not lie. This guy's been cheating, stealing, and lying. Jesus comes to his house, sits at the table with this sinner who's been lying and cheating and stealing for years. Everybody hates him. But Jesus comes and loves him, welcomes with his presence all the other crowd is around. They're inside if they can. They're listening at the door and the windows. They're complaining that Jesus is with this sinner. And Jesus doesn't tell Zacchaeus, like he told the rich man, go sell all you have, get to your poor and follow me. He doesn't require that of him. He doesn't say that. But yet the guy does it. And he doesn't say, I'm going to give it all. He says, I'm going to give half. He says this. He says he knows he's a sinner. He knows he's done wrong. Now the goodness of God is in him. The goodness of God is right there. Bless him. He believes in Jesus. And he says, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. I think the law only required two. He's going excess and above. The new covenant's deeper than the old, man. It's about the heart. So Jesus didn't hit him over the head with the law because this guy already knew he was a sinner. And it's the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. He showed him, I'm good, I'm coming, I'm willing to come to your house right where you are, right in the middle of your wickedness and your sin. I'm willing to come and hang with you. Will you let me in? And Zacchaeus did. And now he gets up from the table and he says, and he's a wealthy, he says, I'm going to give half my possessions to the poor. And everybody started like laughing, like, wow, look at this dude, man. And if I cheated anybody, I'm going to give them back four times. Now some people say, hey, did you hear that? This guy owes me. And then he started doing it. So we see the righteous requirements of the law was not um, he didn't do it out of fear of breaking it because he was a Jew. He had to been to synagogue, but now the goodness of God changed his heart. So now he's fulfilling the righteous requirements of the law from his heart because he's changed on the inside. Hallelujah. What does Jesus say as we close to this? Wow. Wow. He says, Jesus says to him today, salvation has come to this house he didn't walk the aisle kneel down do an altar call all of that he just believed in christ and he acted upon it he acted upon it the change of his heart was evident by what he did 
His heart was changed. He stood up and he confessed it and spoke it. He confessed that he stole and he confessed he's paying it back. His heart was changed and you can see it in his life. Amazing. And Jesus said salvation has come. In other words, that guy got saved right then and there. By a heart change. By believing in the goodness of God. Jesus said to him, today salvation's come into this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Guys, I share those two stories to show you the relationship between the Christian and the law. I want to tell you that when Jesus filled it all, fulfilled it, he fulfilled the ceremonial part, the moral part, and every part, and you're not under it in any way. If you've come, into, come to Christ and believe he's your Savior, he's taken away all your sin, he nailed it to his cross, and after he finished fulfilling the law, he abolished the law. That word abolished in the Greek is talking about to set aside, no longer useful, it's inoperable. It's no longer uh, useful to do anything to save the Christian. It's still useful in a society to keep people from, you know, killing people out there, to put them in jail and have the penalties of good laws. It's still useful there. It's still useful to show people their sin and their need for salvation, but it's no longer useful or operated in any, kind of, in any Christian's life at all. He's fulfilled it, but now you, Christians, that have him inside of you, you fulfill the righteous requirements of the law by your life. And it's because Christ is in you. Man, I don't have to strive and work hard to obey. Thou shalt not steal. Dude, I don't know how to steal. I couldn't do it if I tried. You could drop a million dollars in the church right here, walk out, and I'll find it and say, I want to go find who's in. Why? Because my heart has been changed. Jesus lives in me. I can't steal from you. Okay? I don't want to commit adultery with your wife. I want to counsel your marriage and make it better. I want to bless you, not curse you. Why? Because the righteousness of Jesus now lives inside of me and his righteousness comes out. Now, folks, I want to tell you where you struggle with this, if you still have weaknesses, as we all do, and struggles, that's because we still live in this body and we still have this brain. But as you get now, you come to church knowing and let us teach you after you're saved who you are in Christ. And with Christ in you, you'll start living out what's inside of you. In the areas you struggle, we'll teach you about. It'll be exposed. It'll be fixed. Hallelujah. And you'll move forward. And the glory of God, God's nature that was revealed in the law, is now revealed in the saints of the living God. You reveal the very nature of God and the righteousness that's in you. Hey, if you sin and still have habits and things, I want to tell you that sin is not counted. It's not, it's not under judgment and anything. It's just the, the life of Christ is in you. That's left over from the ways you used to think. And as you renew your mind, praise God, you'll recognize. And when you realize you're not under the bondage to it, it'll empower you to live more and more free as you grow in this. Woo! Woo! Church, I'm sorry sometimes when I get worked up about a word. I want to give it to you all in 40 minutes, and I really could take three days, Sundays, to teach this. Okay? But it was, I just want to give you what we have. Freely I've received. Freely we want to give. We love you. We bless you. I pray right now in the name of Jesus. If you have been listening somewhat and starting to hear about the goodness of God, starting to hear about this, but you've never really been born again. You've done some good things, maybe. You're, you're trying to quit doing bad. You're doing the good. But this message has revealed to you that, hey, you need to be changed from the inside. You've never really laid your whole life down and said, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want to be like Zacchaeus. I want what's in me of you to come out. Lord God, I recognize my need for a Savior. I've seen that the law has exposed where, where I try to be good sometimes. It's exposed that I still have some bad in me and I need you to fix it all. You want to pray that and say, Lord, help me, save me, change me from within. Well, just eyes are closed and heads bowed for a moment. If that's you saying, hey, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord. I can't fix it anymore. Just raise your hand right now. I just want to pray with you. Raise it high for just a moment. Nobody's looking. Hallelujah. Just keep it up for just a moment. 
You're saying, I recognize my need for salvation. I recognize that there's some junk in me that I want to get out. Some of you are getting saved right now. Others are just getting some more junk out, and God's healing you of that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just confess this with me. Just say this with me, everybody in the congregation. Father God, I recognize through your law that exposed my problems. Jesus, you died on the cross to save me. I need you to save me. Cleanse me by your blood. Make me brand new. Today, I am willing to die and be resurrected a brand new creation with your righteousness in me. In the name of Jesus, you're my Lord, you're my Savior, you're my righteousness. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me to follow you in every area of my life. I belong to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.